welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Open your Bibles to James chapter 2. We're going to look at the most controversial part of this book. One that has been argued over for a lot of years. Some misinterpreted it. And even today, there will be some people who will misunderstand it. James is basically saying that if you're a child of God, your life is going to show it. I'm kind of reminded of a young pastor who came out to West Texas to pastor his first church. And, of course, he thought he knew everything. A lot of young guys out of the seminary, me included at one time, you know, we've learned a lot then. I've learned what I don't know now. But one hot afternoon, he was out visiting a farmer, and, and there'd been a dry season, a drought season, and a few clouds had gathered. And the farmer looked up and said, those, are, those look like serious clouds over there pointing to the southwest. And the young pastor said, well, you must mean cirrus clouds. Actually, those are probably cumulus clouds. The farmer looked at him. He said, son, think to be two kinds of clouds, them that's serious and them that ain't. <laughs> and that's basically what James is saying about Christians. He said, you're either serious or you're not. And you can fake it or you're living by faith. Verse 14, chapter 2. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will also say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Paul Harvey rightly said, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. Now, I want on the outset to make a couple of things clear. And by the way, my introduction is a little bit longer. We will get to that outline, so don't. Start doing this. We're going to get there. But I need you to understand some things here because it really makes a difference in how this is interpreted. 
I want to say on the very outset that the plain, that it's very plain that man is saved by grace alone through Jesus Christ. It's not grace plus goodness. It's not grace plus money. It's not grace plus works. Not grace plus anything. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, in this world, there's basically three ways that the world... I want you to be careful. If you go to sleep at any time in this message, you're going to wake up a heretic. Okay? Or you're going to wake up and think, I'm a heretic. But in this world, basically the world has three ways to get to heaven. Now, I know there's not, but this is what the world... The, the one way would be that you get there by your works, your, your goodness, that you live a good life, you're nice to people, and you can be saved by your own works if you do the best you can. Now, the biblical way, which is really the only way, actually, is by faith in Jesus Christ to God. You come asking God to forgive you, and you're only saved by faith in what Jesus has done. The cross has the final word, as we just were singing about. And then the third way would be the combination of those two. Some people say, well, you're saved by faith, but if you don't keep working, you don't stay saved, or, or it's a combination of both. Now, most pagan religions have that first option. You do good. For example, and I'm not being ugly here. You can, if they were sitting in this room, I would say this in front of them, so I'm not being ugly. But if you were a Buddhist and you followed the eightfold path of Buddha, you will enter the blessed state of nirvana and be in eternal bliss forever. That's what they teach. You have to do all of this stuff. If you were a Muslim and you faithfully follow the teachings of the Koran and do all that it is said therein, you will hopefully go see Allah, but again, you are working your way there. Christianity teaches that man is saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Christianity, of course, follows Christ, Jesus, and that it's a matter of trusting Jesus that makes the difference, and that's what we believe. But cults combine the two. They will say, well, you start out in faith, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, you start out in faith, but then you work and stay, keep on working, and hopefully you'll get there. Now, through the centuries, there are a lot of people who believe that James and Paul contradict one another because Paul says that the just shall live by faith. And then it sounds like right here in the book of James, in verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So you can see the controversy. Martin Luther, the great reformer who broke off, he was actually um, translating the scripture. He, he did all the stuff that the Catholic Church wanted him to do and all the penance and all, couldn't find peace. And as he was translating, he came across one Romans 1.17. It said, the just shall live by faith. And that's when he stood up and said, you know what, that's where it is. And so he broke the reform, reformation happened. But even Martin Luther looked at the book of James and said, it doesn't need to be in the Bible. He, in fact, he called it the epistle of straw because he thought James was contradicting what Paul was saying. But both Paul and James believed the same thing. And let me tell you, how you can understand that. 
We are justified before God through Jesus Christ. There's only one justification, and that's through Jesus Christ. When you finally realize that you're separated from sin, you've got to be lost first. You realize you're separated from sin, and you ask God to forgive you. You have no reason for basis of forgiveness. God, I haven't done anything. I deserve forgiveness. But I'm asking you to forgive me because Jesus, who lived a sinless life, died on the cross by his own will and volition and took our sin. You put my sin on him. He died. The wages of sin is death. He died, rose again, and, and now when I place my face, Romans 10, 9, I place my faith in Jesus Christ. God justifies you. He washes you clean in the righteousness of Jesus. It's a supernatural thing. Even though you may not feel anything, it's by faith, trust. He washes you in the righteousness of Jesus, and you are justified, a legal term, in the eyes of God, just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. The only thing that justifies Man before God is that, faith in Jesus Christ. But how do I know that my faith is real? Well, James answers that question. You see, God can see my faith. You can't. You can't see my heart. God can. You can't smell my faith. You can't taste my faith. You can't touch my faith. But God knows I have faith because he can see it. Are you with me? You can't. So how are you going to see my faith? By my works. So my justification, not before God, but my justification before mankind that I'm saved is by the works that I do because Jesus lives in me. Amen. So you're not justified before God by works. You are justified by God. That really hurt. You, you're justified by God by faith, to God by faith, and the proof that you have been justified is by works. So let's put it this way. Paul talked about a no-so salvation. I know so, I'm saved. James talks about a show-so salvation. You show you're saved. Paul emphasized the substance of faith. James emphasizes the evidence of faith. Paul emphasized what you believe. James emphasizes how you behave. Paul says the root of salvation is faith. James says the fruit of salvation is works. Paul reminds us that faith is the requirement of salvation. James reminds us that works is the result of salvation. If Paul and James were in this service today... James, Paul would stand up and say, man is saved through faith alone. And James would stand up and say, amen. And if James would then stand up and say, the faith that saves you is never alone or idle, Paul would say, amen. Two sides of the same coin. Now, with that in mind, talking to young believers, Jewish believers, new believers, Notice what he says. He first mentions what I call the inactivity of spoken faith. 
In other words, let's put it this way. You would say, instead of don't just, say, don't just stand there, do something, you'd say, don't just stand there, say something. Just all talk. I heard about a group of ladies who are forming a hiking club. They have named themselves the walkie-talkies. <laughs> cool name. They're going to be talking. They're going to be walking. I think it's an awesome name. Real faith doesn't just talk. It walks. A couple of things here. He says, first of all, a man who says they have faith. It's words without works. They say that they have faith. They are a professor, not a possessor. They speak it, but they don't live it. Alexander McLaren said, the people who least live their creeds or their beliefs are not seldom the people who shout loudest about them. The paralysis which affects the arms does not, in these cases, interfere with the tongue. Now, verse 17, he says that this faith, this faith is dead. It is dead in itself. It's barren by nature. That's the way the word Greek puts it. In fact, it, it, it just says it's not ever been alive. Just because somebody says they have it doesn't mean they have it. It's dead in itself. I heard somebody, I heard a preacher one time say, you have one tongue in your mouth and a tongue in each shoe. Now, boots don't have tongues, but, but you know what I'm talking He said, you ought to not only be talking it, but you ought to be walking it yourself. Sometimes it's, people are just all talk. Amen. Reminds me of a guy who took his girl out on a first date, and he was so impressed with her, he decided he wanted to kiss her goodnight. And he got emboldened as the night went on, and when he walked her up to the door... He was pretty confident. He just kind of put his hand on the wall and leaned over and said, could I have a goodnight kiss? And she said, are you crazy? My parents will see us. He said, oh, come on. Who's going to see us at this hour? She said, no, please. Can you imagine if we get caught? Oh, come on. There's nobody around. They're all sleeping. No way. It's just too risky. And please, please, I like you so much. She said, no, no, no. I like you too, but I can't. And oh, yes, you can. Please. No, no, I can't. I big suddenly the light came on the porch. <laughs> Out walked the girl's sister in her pajamas. Her hair was all messed up. She's in a sleepy voice. And she said, Dad says, go ahead and give him a kiss, or I can do it, or if need be, he'll come down and do it, but for crying out loud, tell him to take his hand off the intercom button. <laughs> All talk. <laughs> you don't talk about it, you just get it done, right? Verse 14, it says, if a man says he has faith. You see, he's a professor, professing it, but he's not a possessor. Now, underline three words. Look in verse 14, the word says. And then in verse 18, show me. And then in verse 22, do you see? helps you understand. James says that real faith is not a say-so faith. 
It's a show-so faith or a see-so faith. Real faith is shown by its works and not seen just by speaking it. He uses another example of belief without benevolence in verse 16 and 17. He's, he illustrates a brother or sister in need. You know, 1 John three seventeen says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And here he says, if, if you see somebody, a mother, brother, or sister in Christ, and they really are in need of something, and you can meet that need, and you just say, well, go in peace. God bless you. I'll pray for you. He said, what good is that? And then he, illustrate, he, he compares that to faith that is dead. Verse 17, thus also by faith itself, it does not have works, is dead. In verse 22 excuse me, verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only, seems to contradict Romans 3.28, where Paul said, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, the word works in Romans 3.28 is speaking about the law. The, the covenant of that was given through Moses. And you know, the law was never given to save man. It was to show how sinful man is so that when the covenant of grace came, we could understand and appreciate the fact that we could never save ourselves by works of the law. It was never intended to save anybody. You get that? You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot work your way into salvation. You cannot save yourself. But the works here talks about faith that's manifested in your life. Because you've been saved, it's going to show. When you're saved and you know it, your life will surely show it. How often do we see this today? People say, I believe in Jesus, but they won't be baptized. Oh I, oh, I believe in Jesus, but they never darken the door of a church. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but they never speak about Jesus to anyone. Is that real faith? I, I'm not the God, and I, I never intend to judge anybody. I, I don't. But I'm just here to tell you, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. And a lot of people say it. They say they believe in Jesus. But they're lost because they just speak it. You ask the average American today, do they believe in God? Yeah, they do. Or are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. My parents were Christian. My grandparents were Christian. I'm a Christian. The inactivity of spoken faith. He moves a step further. And he shows the inadequacy of scholastic faith. Now, head knowledge. Don't just stand there, believe something. There's an imaginary argument here. He, he sees two guys arguing, well, I'm a deep theologian. I will show you, I will tell you about my faith and all the theology with it and all that. And you, I have my faith, but you're a worker bee. You're, you're one of those practical worker bees, and so you don't really believe like I do, even though I don't do anything with this belief, but you're just all works. 
And James says, you can't do that. A profession without practice does not work. Intellectual assent. You see, some people believe their faith is strong enough to take them to heaven, but it's not strong enough to bring them to church. Now, I'm not picking on people who are not in church, but I want to tell you something. There's something wrong with your faith if you don't ever want to be with God's people. You need to take another look. Did you ever have a double dog dare? Y'all know what that is? You remember when you were a kid, nobody was brave enough to do something, something wanted to be done, and, and you'd say, I dare you. And if you really wanted to put pressure on them, I double dog dare you. That's what James is saying right here. <laughs> In fact, you look at verse uh, 18. Someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. He said, you can't, you can't show faith without doing something. And he said, I'm going to prove to you that I have faith by the way that I live and by the, the way my life has changed. You can say all day long that you have faith, but if you're not putting it into practice, you can't prove it. But James is saying, but I can take the fruit of my faith and show you mine at work. So if you continually profess Jesus Christ and you continuously disobey what God says and you never act like one or nobody would ever, if somebody would be surprised to find out you were a believer, you're faking it. Not faith in it, you're faking it. He also mentions creed without deed, verse 19. You believe there's one God. Now, he's quoting part of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was the Shema. They put it, you know, the Pharisees took it literally when he said, you'll post it on your doors and you'll keep it on your, before your eyes and on your, your forearm. And then so the, they went to extremes and put phylacteries. They were little leather pouches that had that scripture in them. They wear it on their head and they thought, I'm going to keep it before my eyes and all that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You'll love the Lord. Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your might. And he's saying, so you're saying that you can have your belief but no action. And sometimes you, you hear people say, well, that's your opinion, that's your interpretation, but I have my belief. You ever heard that? James, he says, um, verse 20, do, I'm going to literally translate this for you. Do you want to know, you empty-headed person? <laughs> empty-headed. It's also a play on words in verse 20. Faith without works does not work. faking it. It's the kind of faith that would lead you to, to go to the medicine. You got a headache and you go to the medicine cabinet. You pull out some medicine. You look at the instructions. Yeah, I believe they're correct. I have confidence in the source of this medicine. I know who wrote the directions. I believe everything about it. I know this will relieve my headache if I take it, but instead you just put it back on the shelf. You keep your headache. You, you can say, I believe that medicine. I believe all about it, but don't take it. That is dead faith. That is faking it. 
kind of belief that there's two kinds of belief. You, we go out to the airport and I say, do you believe that airplane will fly? Yeah, I do. Well, let's go get on it. That's a different kind of belief, isn't it? I believe it enough to stake my life on it. Now, if you think your faith is so wonderful, did you know you can have a, what I'm going to call a demonic faith? Oh, now we're going to make, I got your attention, didn't I? Look, it says in verse 20, excuse me, verse 19, you believe there's one God, you're doing well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, the word tremble is the word that literally means to bristle. It's the pictures, hair standing up on end or the goosebumps on your skin. And literally, James says, demons believe in God and their skin crawls. I want to tell you, their hair, their hair stands on end at the thought of God. They believe in God. Demons fear God. Demons have a tremendous respect for God. There's more than you can say than a lot of people in America today who use God's name all the time in vain. We don't have any respect for God in this nation as a whole, but the demons do. Now, let's suppose that Satan wants to join this church. Now, if you just woke up, I said suppose. <laughs> and so he walks down the aisle and he says, I want to join Southcrest Baptist Church. And we say, okay, but there's a few questions we got for you. Now, Mr. Devil, before we allow you to join our church, we're going to have to check you out with some questions. All right? So I ask him, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? He'll say, I certainly do. I remember Jesus cut me to pieces with it in the desert when I tried to tempt him and make him sin. Well, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? I certainly do. If you'll check out the fourth chapter of Matthew, I said to Jesus, since you are the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? So far, so good. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? I do believe Jesus died on the cross. Who do you think put him there? I was there the whole time. I saw the whole thing. I was behind the entire matter. Do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead? I certainly do. I remember when the stone was rolled away. I remember when the seals were broken. Well, do you believe Jesus is coming again? Let me tell you it this way. We have raised defense spending in hell 15% getting ready for Armageddon. What does that tell you? Well, do you believe in baptism by immersion? Well, of course I do. I was at the Jordan River. I saw John the Baptist baptize Jesus. As a matter of fact, I was standing there waiting to test him as soon as he got out of the water. Well, do you intend to be faithful to every service here at South Chris? I will be there every service. I won't miss one. As a matter of fact, I will attend a lot more faithfully than most of your members will. Matter of fact, I want to join the choir. There's a lot of work I can do in the choir. As a matter of fact, I'd love to serve as a deacon in your church. Now, if that happened, the average church member would say, I vote in favor of accepting him. But there's one more question, Mr. Devil. Are you willing to submit every part of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are you willing to bow your knee and confess that he is the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and to make him the absolute sovereign over your life? And friends, I'm going to tell you, Satan with venom spitting between his teeth would say no. 
I will never do that. I hate Jesus. Now, up until that point, we'd have thought he'd been a fine Christian church member. I want you to understand something. Just because you say the right things and just because you might believe the right things, people are going to miss heaven by inches. I've never taken a tape measure and measured from my brain to my heart, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere between 12 and 14 inches. See, a lot of people believe the right stuff. They grew up in church. They've been told the right stuff. They know the right answers. I was one of those people. I grew up in the church. I thought until I understood what a hospital was, I was born in the church. My earliest recollections, my earliest thoughts are of the church. And when you've been in it all your life, you know what to say. You know the right answers to every question. You know the choreography, when to stand up, wake up, shut up, and all that stuff. You know all of that stuff. You grow up in it. I was even baptized as five or six-year-old because I answered the questions right. I believed. But it wasn't until I was 12 years old I understood that you got to get it from here to right here. Because you can be religious and lost as a ball in tall weeds. I'm telling you, you can know the right stuff scholastically and still not know Jesus. If I called you and told you, if I didn't call you, if I said that's a demonic faith, <laughs> you would be offended. But I'm telling you, the demons believe and their skin crawls because they know what's coming. The last thing. You speak of spoken faith, that's dead. Scholastic faith, that's demonic. What's the indication of sincere faith? Don't just stand there, do something. It's not mental assent, it's activity. It's not just profession, it's performance. It's not just belief. It's behavior. It's not just faith. There's fruit. Something changes in your life. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since I joined Southcrest Baptist Church. No. Since Jesus came into my heart. You're like the little girl who was asking Sunday school, who made you? And she said, well, God made part of me. See, the teacher said, what do you mean God made part of you? Well, God made me real little, and I growed the rest myself. <laughs> he saves you, and it's just the beginning of growing in the Lord. And people see it. God can see your faith. People can't, except by what you do. And he gives two examples of a talk that walks. And he goes from one extreme to the other. This is so amazing. First of all, he uses a patriarch, Abraham. He goes to the old patriarch, Abraham, as an example. Father Abraham. We used to sing that song. And then it's the father of the nation of Israel. It sure sounds confusing because when you look at verse 21, it says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. 
You think, well, see, he earned his salvation by being obedient to God. But look at verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. If you go to Genesis 15 and Genesis 22, you see where God called Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and he was saved then. God accounted to him righteousness. But it was many years later, at least 40 or more, before the incident with Isaac took place. So being obedient did not justify Abraham. He was already justified. It was accounted, or it, the word literally means it was shown to demonstrate his righteousness. He demonstrated his righteousness by offering Isaac. The proof is in your life. Then he, he goes from the patriarch, the father of a nation, a saint, if you want to call him that, we're all, to a streetwalker, prostitute, Rahab. Rahab lives on the wall of Jericho. But somewhere, Rahab believed in God. We don't know how she found out about God, but she believed in God. And when the spies came, she hid them and helped them escape. And because of that, her family was saved when Israel came in and took Jericho. But she hid those spies in the faith that God would protect her in life or would protect her in death. But either way, she was going to trust God. Now, isn't it wonderful to know that whether you are a patriarch at the head of a nation or a prostitute on the street corner, you can both be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tremendous testimony that Abraham and Rahab are in the same passage together. Billy Graham said this about faith and works. There's really no conflict between faith and works. In the Christian life, they go together like inhaling and exhaling. Faith is taking the gospel in. Works is taking the gospel out. You have to have both. You can't be saved without faith. Sure, you can't work your way in there. You can't be baptized in there can't join the church. Nobody's going to grant you absolution. It only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. But you can't have faith without works. Because if it doesn't change your life, you need to change religions. Jesus never left anybody the same after he saved them. The word believe means to be and to live. It comes from two words, to be in Jesus Christ and to live it out. He, he uses it in verse 26, you take the spirit out of a body. That's what death is. Thanatos, separation, means when the spirit separates from the body, that's what death is. And, and the body ceases to live, but the spirit and the soul goes to God, or if you don't know God, you're going to go to a place you'll be held till the great white throne judgment, and you're not going to get out of there. Nobody's going to pray you out of there either. 
There is no purgatory, no such place. It's a man-made concept. Do y'all know what synergism is? It's when you combined, you combine two, two substances or two elements of something, and one of them could be dangerous by itself. Sodium. Sodium is not something you're going to eat without either getting sick or dying, and chlorine is something that can be um, fatal also. But sodium chloride, you eat every day. Salt. Faith alone in Jesus Christ saves you in the eyes of God, but it's going to leak out in the way you live. Works without with no faith in Jesus, deadly faith, speaking it and no, no, no uh, sign that your life has been changed. There's something wrong. And, that, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you're going to live perfectly from now on because we are still growing. We are imperfect. We are maturing. But we've been saved. And the Spirit of God in us tells us and guides us and encourages us. It doesn't matter how nice your religion looks or how sweet it smells or how good it makes you feel. If your religion has not changed your life, you had better change your religion. D.L. Moody said, if you were what you were before you got saved, you've never been saved. Ouch. If you're saved and you know it, your life will surely show it. Not here to make you doubt your salvation. But look back over your life. If you don't see some changes in your life through the years, and I'm not talking about just physical change, I'm talking about spiritual changes. Something's wrong. Something wrong. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in once you are saved you're always saved. But I'm not a believer in people who just say I was saved and their life never bears it out. John, in the gospel of, not the gospel of the first John said, they went out from among us because they never were of us to begin with. In other words, you can walk an aisle. Have people say, how did you meet Jesus? I walked an aisle. Well, you're gonna, you walked an aisle to get in here today. I got baptized. Just baptized as a baby. Baptism does not save you. It's not optional. It's really not. It's a proof that you've been saved. <laughs> it is. If you say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life and I want you to save me, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And he's going to say, okay, profess me before men. It's baptism. Well, not that. If you don't know Jesus, you do not have to join our church to know Jesus. In fact, there's a lot of people who've joined our church that don't know Jesus. How do I know that? I don't. I'm just assuming because you never see them. Now, I'm not talking about people who can't come because of illness, whatever. 
But a lot of it's just excuses, not illnesses. I'm, I'm digging deeper in this hole, trying to get out of it. What I want you to see is that there are no perfect people here. And if I've insinuated that, I've misled you. But I want you to know that there's only two kinds of people, those who are saved and they're serious about it, and those who say they're saved, and they're faking it. My question to you, if Jesus were to return today, do you know for certain that you'd go be with Jesus? I didn't say, does there sin in your life that you'd be concerned about? No, I said, do you know that you would go? And if you know that you would go, why? If all you can say is, well, as a kid, I was baptized. It needs to be much, much, much deeper than that. I gave my life to the Lord, and I can see how he's been working in my life ever since. If you're like me, you can overthink things. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to be careful. Again, I'm not trying to cause doubt. But also know that a lot of people just go through the motions. They look good. Maybe that's why Jesus is saying, there's always going to be some goats in the sheep. They're going to be surprised. Either you know Jesus or you don't. And if you don't, what are you waiting for? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that nothing I said would turn anyone off from the gospel, but that you would let them know that the gospel is life-changing, that Jesus is life-changing. A lot of people have had bad experiences in churches and religions, been disappointed in people. But Lord, look in our own hearts today and take us to the place where we gave our life to you. And I pray you'd restore the joy of that salvation in people's lives and that people would confess sin and that they'd be drawn closer to you. But those who can't go to that place, and maybe they don't remember all the details, but they go to a time when they committed their life to you. I pray, Father, you'd make that very real to them. Lord, help us to live out our faith, to be lights in the world, a salt of the earth, to not fake it in front of anybody, but to, to live out what is real in our heart, and that's you. And I pray for those that have it in their brain, but but they're about 14 inches away from heaven. I pray that they'd get it in their heart today. During this time of invitation, Lord, I know that you began the invitation before anyone ever walked in here. And I pray that even now you would bring people to you. You're the Savior, not the church. And Lord, if there are people here that, that have been saved and not been baptized, scripturally baptized, I pray you'd Put it on their heart to be obedient to you. And if they've not found a church, then Lord, if they don't like this place, put them in a place they like it. But put them in a place where they can be part of a family and be plugged in and 
and be part of a family. So Lord, I don't know what you're going to do during this time because you're speaking to each heart individually, but I pray that you would bring people to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.